biggest turnaround for me was, I call it owning my reality. And that's a point at which, and, and this doesn't happen, you know, day five afterwards, this happens a year down the road, maybe um, for some people, three years, for some people, five years, you know, whatever it is, but um, you should, you, you need to allow yourself time to grieve and you don't need to put time constraints on that. But that said, you also need to say, I need to figure out what the rest of my life is going to be about and that's exactly that's exactly where I try to help people because that's where people get stuck because you know people that were married for 30 years you know they don't even remember what they like anymore what they want what motivates them nothing um and and they're used to making joint decisions so it's really hard to make decisions you know especially big ones you know Fifi Uncensored Podcast Season 3, Episode 32, Part 1 with my guest, Laura Matthews. I'm super excited to share this conversation because it's a conversation that's not always easily had. But what I love about this conversation is we are having it. And it all is based on Laura's experience, uh, unexpectedly becoming a widow, and this signature methodology coaching program that she offers other widows. So grab that coffee, grab that cannoli, because here we go. Welcome, Laura Matthews, to the KMPP Uncensored podcast. And the reason why I thought it would make a great conversation to invite you on as a guest is because we connected through mutual coaches that we work with, one particular And um, through that connection, did I get to learn more about you and what inspired you and what you're doing to help others and most specifically with widows because of your own life experience. And you now have your own coaching program where you're a certified professional coach and um, you're helping widows to rise up with resilience and take action. And so I just want to kick it off and say thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. (laughs) You're welcome. And I want to go a little bit back first before we go forward and I want to um, get just a little backstory on yourself so what year did you lose your spouse um I lost him in 2015 so it's been eight years this month actually um yeah and eight years really isn't a long time in perspective. And I and I say that because and the way we do this podcast is it's not just about my guests. I invite guests on to intertwine my experiences with my guests' experiences. That's why we have a gather around the campfire connection conversation. The reason why I say eight years isn't a long time because I feel like I've just kind of gone through my own six-year cycle of loss of our mother, pandemic, you know, work stop, work start. 
health issues, all that stuff. And my point is, is all of a sudden you can turn around and go, God, what just happened? And mm-hmm. how did how did all that time go by? So when you lost your spouse, was it expected or unexpected? It was very unexpected. He died in an accident. Uh, we were on vacation and it was a second marriage for the both of us. So we had a blended family and the old, we had four boys. The oldest was 11 at the time. So um, he actually jumped in after one of his kids and thank goodness the, the son, his son made it to a shallower place, but uh, he watched his dad go under. Was it a riptide? It was a lake. It made no sense at all, but it was, it was about as, as, rough as I've ever seen that lake and yeah, I yeah. well so. you know mother nature sadly and I'm really really sorry so so it was unexpected which having been a child of losing a parent unexpectedly I know the kind of shock that can have major ripple effects in the family dynamics mm-hmm. yeah and the shock in the morning can you know, go on for as long as it goes on. There's no time frame. And with that said, like, I know we lost our father in 76. I mean, here we are in 2023. And the impact it made was just, you know, I mean, it's, it's an endless amount of things. So regarding yourself and losing your spouse and having this blended family, what was going through your mind and processing during that time that you were capable of even wrapping your brain around? Um, literally, I, I just said, you've got to be kidding, God. <laughs> I'm going to be a widow, too, because I had suffered a number of really difficult things. I, I lost my mom when I was pregnant um, and I went through an awful divorce. So. Um, I literally couldn't believe that that I, I, even when the um, priest came to read the rite of passage, I didn't believe that he would, you know, they wouldn't find him somehow because he was a very diligent person. And I mean, he loved those kids like nothing else. So, yeah. Yeah. And how long had you two been married by then? Just five years. And, and really, sadly, we were literally vacationing on the same um lake where we got married actually so eight eight years or um today was our anniversary <laughs> it would have been well happy years. anniversary nonetheless because <laughs> yeah. you know it's still something your, your your marriage is still very much something to be cherished and celebrated yeah. um we got married in the month of July too. I didn't mention it on Saturday. <laughs> and I had no reason other than to be completely grateful. Um, it's so funny. But um, so it's interesting because, you know, life happens when we least expect it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And we can be the most make a plan, most dedicated, most committed not perfect, have lots of success in many parts of our lives, keep getting up, keep going forward, keep believing, keep functioning. But there's certain things in life that can 
have a little bit more of a daunting, hanging on you kind of moment. And death of a spouse can be one of those for, for many, because one, maybe that's all they know. Maybe their things weren't in order. Maybe they feel lost and, and, and alone. Maybe they're paralyzed, frankly. And most people, I think, get paralyzed in lots of things in life. (laughs) And, um, and I'm not laughing at that. I'm laughing at myself thinking about like how I've gone through things and I've not lost a spouse. And that is not something that, you know, I ever want to experience having experienced it as a young kid was watching my mom and function and not easily. And yet profoundly, profoundly, like she was my hero. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it really comes down to self care and motivation. Don't you think at the end of the day, amongst all the other things that you're dealing with, you know, financials and papers, you know, cremations versus memorials versus funerals, like the list, (laughs) the checkoff list is endless, right? I I knew he wanted a cemetery burial and I'd never been to a funeral because my family's always, um, (laughs) so, um, yeah, uh, um, it, it was crazy. Yeah. I think, yeah, definitely a lot of self-care. I think the biggest turnaround for me was, I call it owning my reality. Mm-hmm. And that's a point at which, and, and this doesn't happen, you know, day five afterwards, this happens a year down the road, maybe, um, for some people, three years, for some people, five years, you know, whatever it is, but, um, you should, you, you need to allow your son yourself time to grieve and you don't need to put time constraints on that but that said you also need to say I need to figure out what the rest of my life is going to be about and that's exactly that's exactly where I try to help people because that's where people get stuck because you know people that were married for 30 years you know they don't even remember what they like anymore what they want what motivates them nothing um, and, and they're used to making joint decisions. So it's really hard to make decisions, you know, especially big ones, you know? Yeah. I'm curious with your reflecting on that alone, um, what your thoughts are about the importance of identity. Oh yeah, def- definitely. And keeping it all along in a relationship, even with the love and commitment and dedication, how very valid that and important that is and it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman but women especially because they're the nurturers in most relationships now granted in in a in a in a same-sex marriage or partnership or whatever you know I I I also apply it doesn't matter man or woman I just want to say that um you know the importance of having purpose, having things, having communities, having things to tap into, therapy, (laughs) the willingness to go to therapy when most people think mental health is for somebody else, not them, right? And like you said, 
the ability to be gentle with oneself, but also know that you need to like take down the spider web, so to speak, and engage in the world that you live in because you're the one that's alive. Right. Right. And you have a lot of living to go through. I mean, it's amazing how many young widows I find in their thirties, forties, fifties, you know, it's, it's really crazy how many people just um, lose someone. Now, actually, I have to say suicide has, is much more prevalent than I ever realized until I started coaching. That's really sad, but. Um, no, it's true. I, I've, I've, talked with several people on my podcast and um uh who we talked about around that that relative to businesses they've been involved with and um how that's caused those actions or sex you know identities and what challenges that's created or the careers that they've been in, whether it's the modeling world and the entertainment world or whatever, and the things that they've experienced, just as an example, not the only industry, by the way, where abuse has led to taking one's life. Um, in regards to helping people get on their feet, as you know, you know, you can give a checkoff list, but everybody's going to get to the water on their own time, right? Yeah. And, and, yeah. and um, you can never, you can always lead the horse, but you can't make them drink it. Exactly. And you, you know, what I deal with a lot in coaching is, is more helping them see things that they don't see for themselves. You don't see, um, uh, for example, uh, limiting beliefs. I mean, things that the stories you tell yourself over and over and over again, that who, you know, have the time, you know, they're not true, or they were based on something that happened to somebody else that you heard hearsay, <laughs> you know, um, it's true. It's, it's really it's true. Yeah. I swear I didn't hear the phrase limiting beliefs until the pandemic. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, really, I didn't because I didn't hear that in spoken in the entertainment world. We didn't talk mm -hmm. like that. Um, and so it wasn't until I started studying with millionaires and billionaires during the pandemic mm -hmm. that I learned that that was and I learned how that applied to me and my world and my shifts due to circumstances with shutdowns and work access or cat, you know, cash flow, launching other businesses and what have you, but we're getting off and it's, but it's, but this is a perfect segue. It's about the pivot. Right. <laughs> right. And life is a series of pivots. Oh, is it? Yes. <laughs> and even for those of us who have been already experienced pivots, doesn't mean we're like immortal or in, or impervious or have this like metal shield on us that's like oh don't worry the bolts are just going to bounce back off we we both know that that's not the case right. you have to like go through the fire whatever that is you just hope that there's less fires than there are you know more rainbows i mean <laughs> you know rainbows in the sense of not regarding death but in regarding like happy moments and right. you know right. mystical magic so to speak um so 
2015, you lost your husband. And then you went through this mourning process and now you have this blended family and you had to make decisions that affected all of you, I would imagine. Oh yeah, definitely. The, the, um, his boys actually live with their mother. So, but, um, that was another loss. You know, my, um, my ex-husband, their dad had been in Iraq the whole year prior to Norm dying. And so he came back July 2nd and Norm died on the 29th of July. So, um, and then, you know, they didn't see not only him, but their, their brothers as well. So it, it was a definite loss, but, you know, I, and I didn't feel like I started even grieving till maybe year two, cause I was really trying to be strong for them. And cause they were falling apart a little bit, you know, you do. Well, you know, that's interesting that you say that because my mom was 42 when my dad died at 47 and a crazy little side thing was, unfortunately, it was during the 1970s recession, like between 74 mm. and 76. Mm. So for anybody who was alive and existing during that time, we happened to have family-owned industry, a fashion business. And we had multiple stores. Um, and the recession hit our family's business really hard. It was third-generation business. And... Um, I remember the strife between my parents, just with the economics of it all, not knowing all the details. I mean, I was a 14-year-old kid, but it's amazing how fast you have to grow up. My sister was 11. My brother was 19. And um, many things caused them, after their 20-year anniversary, to get divorced four days after their 20th anniversary, which four months later, we lost all of our businesses. And one month later, my father died, collapsed at my mom's feet. Talking about getting back together, I guess. I don't know. I wasn't there. But um, it was that kind of a very, whoa, you know, rug pulled out from under. Everything you knew, everything that was your foundation. So I learned at a really young age that nothing's guaranteed. <laughs> and that you know in the flip of a switch everything can change yeah. not necessarily bad but can change and life as we as we both know is a series of shifts going back to the pivot and life never stays the same because you know if we're talking about the galaxy the galaxy doesn't change so when we get stuck we're not living in our truth because we are energy, right? Right. So we have to be moving. We have to be processing. We have to be moving forward. So when you came into year two and you, you know, were now in your morning, it made me think about my mom because it made me think about how she couldn't stop working. She was a public school teacher. She couldn't miss it. I mean, I, I mean, besides like our, the funeral and sitting co- uh, cottage for my father um, or his yard, uh, I really don't remember my mom being able to take a moment of breath because wow. our father died without life insurance and our house was attached to an SBA loan. So financially on top of the morning, the shit really hit the fan. Yeah. And, you know, n- not not making it bad about my father. It's just that was what it was. 
And it taught a lot of like, just kind of survival mechanisms. Like your, you know, your, your, your neural <laughs> pathways are like on high alert. Um, and so observing my mom, I mean, I, I, I don't know how she did it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't working full time. I had a more flexible job, but um, I went back to work too. And, and, you know, there was some benefit in it because it was something familiar and it wasn't, you know, I could focus on other people's problems because I was doing, I was in a consulting role while I was helping other people. So um, yeah, that, um, but I eventually ended that because I needed to, I, I couldn't con continue that and, and make a living so yeah. yeah well there's something um if i may really important about um and again this this not everybody does this uh self-growth or looking within most people would rather stay detached that's why we have so much addiction so much whether it's eating drinking smoking sex watching television whatever whatever it is, whatever it is to distract you right because looking within takes a lot of work mm -hmm. yeah but in order to show up with the best version of yourself and help others you have to take care of yourself first in order to be an effective person who can, in a healthy way, take care of others. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So did you find that after you left your job, uh, you took that time to start to excavate that trunk that you were, you know, of memories and life that you were carrying yeah. around? Yeah, I, I started with a, a coach in 2017. So about two years after. Um, and it was it was scary. You know, it's not um, a small it's a it's a large investment for um, for. But the returns are that she, you know, she guided me through this path that I really didn't want to go on in some ways. <laughs> I mean, um, but as you say, you get to the other side and you realize it was so worth it because, um, you know, you're living your truth and you're, and you're much happier. I mean, it, what I did too was a lot of self-examination and, you know, um, I, there were a lot of, um, fears and a lot of, of, um, criticism of myself that, you know, I hadn't really realized until they were, you know, we took a microscope to that. So, um, How long between your two marriages had um, it been between marriage number one, divorce, and then marriage number two? Um, two and a half years. So, yeah. The reason why I ask, because you said something that triggered something for me. I find that <laughs> this goes back to being like when we're kids, where you could see, and this is not a, this is an observation, not a judgment, by the way. But there were people who were like serial daters, right? Yes. They went from one relationship to another to another. And I've spoken to friends of mine about this because look at, nobody gets married to get divorced. And certainly nobody gets married to go through their loss, whether it's divorce or death. But you said something, there is a very different experience. It's all mourning, 
But yes. there's a very different experience about choosing to go your separate ways versus it's now put upon you because of the circumstances that happened at large. And when people I have observed, and this, again, I want to be clear, is not a judgment, but especially, well, it can be both men and women. They don't give themselves enough time between relationships to get whole and complete as an individual versus seeking to get fulfilled and filled up by somebody else. And so they leave the starting gate too soon and not, not again, like who, who, who are we to judge? It's to say that it takes time. It takes time to get to know oneself. Absolutely. And I, I didn't, uh, I didn't, I joined a single parents group and that's how I met him. I did not, I was not looking for romance at that time because I agree with you. And actually I didn't want to get married as quickly as he did either. But, you know, given that we only had five years now (laughs) on the other side of it, I'm glad we did. But um, no, I completely agree with you. I I had a lot more time to do that since my husband passed. And because that is a tool, that is a tool in one's toolbox, the ability to be by the oneself, to hear one's thoughts, to process what matters to you, what what the little girl or boy inside that always loved and are you leading that life authentically and or if not how do you how do you recapture that amongst everything else you've been through that doesn't have anything to do with anybody else's needs and wants to be fulfilled and I think that people get so caught up in that that they again would rather not feel and just go on to another relationship. And it's kind of like baggage. I mean, I'm not saying relationships are baggage. No, on the other hand, they, they should be ultimately an expansiveness of your, your, your existence. But to do that too soon, no matter what the circumstances is, um, you don't get to get good at knowing deep down in your soul that you could function on your own if necessary and look at who you can come to that agreement at 20 or you could come to that agreement at 50 you could come to that agreement at 70 or 90 but at each one of those stages different things in your life is also occurring so it's not like some clean little box of circumstances that like oh you just put it in and you manage it through and because obviously everybody's situation is different. Um, it's interesting because I study with like financial people um, in the early 2000s. And one of the things I learned back then was no matter how wealthy a woman was, especially in a couple, mm-hmm many women, if not most, ended up in poverty level or just really struggling because they were not either the breadwinner, didn't know what was going on with the finances, all that stuff. And that to me is a really big thing when it comes to loss, is like having things in place. As I expressed what we experienced as kids and my mom went through, Mm -hmm. Um, and the why it's so important to have your ducks in a row 
again, without judgment, because it's a process. Not everybody wants to face it. Everybody wants a living will. Not everybody wants a funeral plot. Not everybody wants to even talk about death, let alone all those other things. But if not now, when? Mm -hmm. And then the human who's left, you know, to process and clean up all the things it's, it's a lot to endure. It's a lot to endure, but I really believe that, you know, when you're happy with yourself and you're, and you say to yourself, okay, I'm happy being alone. That's when you find someone because you have a a joyful Mm -hmm. energy about you. And that's, that's why it's worth doing the work. (laughs) I agree completely. I agree completely. And, um, even though I, I haven't gone through that, I definitely went through divorce and then I went through surviving domestic violence through another relationship. And so I really did choose to say, whoa, 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 no, no, no. This is, I don't, I don't need to, I don't, I'm not, like you said, I mean, I wasn't looking to partner up with anybody. I wanted to just get good with Felicia and, um, you know, I'm grateful to say I've been with my husband for over 23 years and now married 13. And, and that's a blessing that I never, you know, it's a blessing, period. I just, I was a lucky to be alive to meet him and be lucky to align with somebody that I can do the work with and in a marriage. Um, But getting back to your then processing and being coached and having your coach help you, then did your light bulb start going off over like what you wanted to do going forward? Curious. Um, you know, it's funny because what what I did for many, many years was um, destination consulting. So I helped expats who are moving um, to work here from other countries. So working mostly in large companies. And uh, so literally right before COVID, I I had launched a consultancy and and website um, about expats in the USA. That's what it was called. (laughs) And uh, they stopped giving away, giving out um, work permits. So (laughs) that was a big pivot. But um, yeah, I, I've always been drawn to the coaching. My, my late husband, actually, he was a psychiatrist and he used to say, you know, you really missed your calling and, and becoming some type of counselor or something like that, because, um, you have the skills necessary. So, um, and don't you think the skills are like a combination of being sensitive, aware, empathetic, knowledgeable perspective on like the perspective besides an education because that you know education is great but you got to be able to apply it to the world at large so he might he must have recognized I mean obviously he recognized your heart and saw your value and saw the value that you could bring to others which is great because that's something you get to carry forward with you and to really like light you up and have him be like a guided angel now for you yeah. to be inspired. Definitely. To help Definitely. others. And the thing I think he taught me that um, was the, the biggest thing he taught me was to meet others where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that it sounds so simple, but really that's, that's what I think is the most important thing with counseling someone is really trying to see where they are 
um, that that they may not be ready to um, encounter some things that are too scary. They they they're it's they're on a journey, and you have to figure out um, what they're what what they can handle at that point, and and what you know how to motivate them to move forward from there. So. Yeah. So when you created that coaching point, so when you pivoted from your, your expats in the USA um, to coaching widows, mm-hmm. what was the light bulb moment that went off for you that you went, oh my God, this is what I'm supposed to be doing? Oh, this is actually really sad. Um, I had a, a, a boyfriend in, in high school that my mother never forgave me for breaking up with him because he was the he played football at Princeton and he was you know the national merit scholar and his family was wealthy and you know all the things all the things um and um he I found out that he um died of an aneurysm at age 29 uh sorry 49 um and um I found out that his wife um also died soon after that and I don't know but I I'm I'm fearful that she um may have taken her own life and and you know what that told me is that you know I I just kind of uh I grew up in the Midwest I sort of put my head down and keep trying you know I'm not going to give up (laughs) um and and you know it wouldn't even occur to me to to do that but um you know not it made me realize the light bulb moment was not everybody can handle this on their own because it's a lot it's especially especially you know when i i picture her life you know the country club life and you know they met at a prestigious graduate school and they had you know he was the president of the bank and you know this life that is like the quintessential you know perfect got everything going and then just bam it's gone yeah, your defining moment of who you think you are until you're not. And the truth is, is right. The truth is, is who we are is who we're born to be. Other than that, no matter what we do in our careers or what we do with humans, or it's really, I mean, we, it's the old adage. We come in our, by ourselves, we go up by ourselves. And who we are is truly just our character. Like, how do we leave people feeling? Yeah. Yeah. Right. How do we engage? How do we connect? How do we like listen? Yeah. Yeah. And it um, I found that hanging out, you mentioned community earlier, and that really was one of the keys to me is hanging out with other widows. So ironically, when I heard John died, I I actually reached out to her. I don't know her, but I'm sure she's seen my prom picture. (laughs) So I said, you know, I know you don't know me, but please, if it's not me, find some other widows because um, they just they just get it. And they're not going to, you know, ask you, you know, why are you still wearing your wedding ring at six right. months out? You know, right. that's that's my purpose. Why not? Exactly. <laughs> but but there are really a lot of things people say that and it's because they don't know what to say. And I hate that in this country that people do not know what to say about death. Um, because what ends up happening is people get abandoned at a time when they need people the most. So hundred percent. I saw it again happen with my mom. A hundred percent. First off, she's 42. Now 
technically a divorcee widow. Like there's no real such thing because she was a divorcee before that. But, you know, they were, it, it, it is what it is. Beautiful. No, forgive me, but, you know, this is where women need to learn how to support women. Women were threatened, didn't want her around in couple situations, even though she needed support. Even though my parents were very big, open arm people and welcome people into our home and our businesses all the time. I definitely saw that there was a lot of like my mom had to create a, her own communities. Yeah. Um, going forward that she valued that nobody could take away from her unless she chose to no longer be a part of it. Right. 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 And, and actually that goes back to what you were talking about. Identities, having something of your own that, that you can choose uh, that is separate from somebody else. And, and, you know, it took me a long time to, I, that I was not that person. I did not maintain my identity nearly as much as I wish I had my, my first marriage. I was, you know, uh, a shock. <laughs> like, yeah, but I think that that's really human. And I think no matter, even if you're like the most independent person on the planet, I mean, either you don't have a marriage that lasts for the reasons that you're not doing things together, or, you know, I just think that it's natural for people to get lost in their relationship and, and um, want to just be absorbed. And if it's good, what, what's to challenge, right? And what's to like question or why the need for the pottery class or the Tuesday teas or the whatever to stay connected and engage in other ways that make you even a more interesting human being, but as well connecting with others who may need you as well. And it's interesting because heartbreak is death, can create death. Oh. I, I believe my father died of a broken heart. Aww, they good. said it was a heart attack. I believe my father died of a broken heart because everything he had created, he had lost. Oh, yeah. He yeah. lost his wife. He felt like he lost us, which, you know, there was nothing legal that way. He lost the businesses that he loved to go to seven days a week. He lost his home. Right. Well, he was 47. It was a defining moment. And, you know, I think that mental health in relationships, no matter what you go through, can really be just, again, foundationally something that's so important um, to be able to process things while you're alive <laughs> and after somebody's death. Yeah. So, so I'm curious when you um, had this light bulb moment post your high school sweetheart and his wife dying, what, what was it in that situation that made you want to create your program and your coaching? Um, it, it really just made me realize that, um, that, that not everybody can, some people need some extra support to figure it out. And, and, you know, it, it can be really bleak, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. um, 
yeah. Um, I, at that point too, I had really come, um, I had done a lot of the internal work. I had kind of decided I was, I was going to build a new life. Um, so I was in a place too, that I could reflect back and go, well, I could build a program around this. And, and that's what I did. So, you know, looking a number of different exercises, looking internally um, and figuring out your wants and your likes and, um, and, and figuring out where you are today and, and what's next and, um, and not in a, in a um, to-do kind of list kind of way, more of a, um, you know, you're in this big house by yourself and you've got all this clutter, you know, I mean, if you're going to stay here, um, you know, maybe you start on the clutter part because you make it yours. <laughs> wow. That's so important. That alone is like you said, you know, you, my words, you assess the situation. It's not about the to-do list. You assess where am I at right now? What can I, what do I have the power to shift that doesn't take others? But also going back to what you said about creating your program, your coaching offers was we don't do anything alone. Ironically, mm -hmm. I mean, there's the juxtaposition of all the things you're talking about. We don't get, we don't, we don't succeed alone which is why community is so important in all applications, as long as it's a positive environment. Right. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, and assessing your, like in your situation now, I'm in this big home, you know, you know, this death has occurred, assessing, do I stay here? Assessing what's in here. Um, I think we talked about this the last time we spoke. The importance of feng shui. Oh. <laughs> Which may seem like such an odd thing to mention, but it's an energy way of artistically, scientifically helping people get through things unbeknownst to them. They just think that they're like, you know, moving a bed or moving a lamp or moving. It's so much deeper than that that people don't realize until things start showing up through benefits and going back to what you were saying, you know, clearing the clutter. When yeah. we have around us things that are like hanging on us energetically, especially with those that we love that no longer are. And I can speak, I will speak on this uh, just in losing our mom two weeks before the pandemic uh, shut down our country. Uh, my husband and I, pretty much inherited like a lot of things. Like we were the ones where everybody, everything was going to go into the storage, like the garage, you know, the brother wasn't going to take it on in the, the beautiful Palm Springs house. The sister wasn't going to take it on in the, the Northern California space. They didn't have that. You know, my, and, and so that doesn't make them wrong. It's just what it is. Right. Um, but what it did that I didn't know and not, not in a bad way do I label this, but until recently when I went to um, tap back into feng shui, did I realize the amount of things that we had acquired, especially things like books and what have you, that were blocking energy. Mm -hmm. And yeah. my mom wouldn't have wanted that. And like your husband wouldn't want that. Your husband 
would want to see the beautiful woman he fell in love with, with the big heart who can help others thrive and feel light and have things flow and have things magnetized to her and be the woman that he knows you're here to be. <laughs> it's true. Right? Yeah. yeah. And again, listen, most people like don't even want to clean a house, let alone start to get rid of things because they're so attached to objects and things. Well, I had the ultimate, um, I had a, a sewage backup in the basement. Oh. And <laughs> that will <laughs> cleanse. <laughs> that will that will force a cleanse. And and he was a, a a collector, I'll call him. And we had most of his parents' house stuff in our house at that point. So, um, yeah, that was six months of my life just sorting and you know, it was it was a mess. <laughs> well, I mean, I had to pack up my mom when she got sick. I had to pack up her life and put her property on the market and get it sold and adapt out six out of eight cats and keep her alive and then move her across country mind you in six weeks port to port wow. nothing i had ever expected that right. i walked into like i literally was coming for a week and this is what it turned into but wow. having done that having been responsible for that and not not all the things, not like my sister handled the finances, but I handled the very everyday, like on, on the ground boots kind of yeah. thing. Um, yeah, it, it really woke me up to like, what, what do you want to leave others to have to deal with? Yeah, yeah, it's really, it's a gift to declutter before you die. <laughs> And had to have all of your paperwork in order. That is a huge gift. Because and I've seen I've I've my dad has a, he has the cremation paid for already. Um and, yeah. <laughs> and Norm's dad was kind of the opposite. So I've seen both sides and it's a huge gift to to not have to worry about that. Well, yeah, because while you're in the midst of mourning having to make those decisions and take those actions is like the last thing on your mind you want to do. And to your point, I mean, you know, Matt Wood, whenever that day comes, and I hope it's not for another 30, 40 years that all things are, you know, in my own household and in, in order, but I know that um, as much as we, not intentionally collect, but I know how much I want to get rid of. Like I just keep wanting to you know, lighten things up, lighten things up. And it's it's so easy to accumulate. You know, it's kind of like I, I don't know where this keeps coming up from. I used to be a tournament boat driver, so I guess this is where it comes from. The barnacles on the boat is what I refer to it as you gotta oh. get the barnacles off the boat. Yeah. Yeah. It's not yeah. serving the boat well. Yeah. You, you know what? I, I have a hard time getting rid of stuff. And I think I blame it on my divorce because I had to start over, over. <laughs> I mean, everything in my house came from the thrift store because my my uh, husband and I at the time were living in Mexico. So everything I owned was there. So. Yeah, I, I walked away from all my stuff from my divorce. I didn't own a house, but I walked away from a lot of things. Um 
not that it was a bad divorce, it just, you know, it was time to no longer be married. And um, so I understand that. And and this goes back to women's finances. Look, at there's a lot of successful women in the world who are making, you know, six, seven, eight figure incomes, right? Who are heads of their own companies or major corporations. But at the end of the day, the difference between, and I say this, the difference between women and men on most, in most circumstances is it's the woman's trajectory that gets interrupted throughout her lifespan because of pregnancy, because of death, because of career change or stop and start, because of moving properties, because of new relationships, because of grandchildren, because of death of elders and da, 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 da. And it's like constant. And you're generally going to be the one, even if you're not the nurturing daughter or the nurturing female, it's going to land in your lap, whether you want it or not. That does not mean that every woman takes that on, but some of those things you're going to experience. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And, and yeah, that definitely made it made life a lot harder for me. Um, trying to get back on my feet after, after Norm died, it was, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, so, um, after you started after you had the courage to take your what you learned and bring it to help others, how did you like envision that becoming a coaching hopper for yours for others? Um, I have a coach. I have a business coach that that. <laughs> coaches, coaches, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, but helps us understand how to, um, you know, niche down our market and message and um, how to, you know, sales calls and finding clients and, and all of that stuff. So, so yeah, I, I went to another, I've gone now to many different coaches on, on many different topics and um you know, I've, I've gained an enormous amount. I did a, t- a time management course with a, a coach that was very, very useful. Um, I've gone to parenting coaches as well. So, um, you know, that's, that's me or, or classes too. I mean, are, are great for them, but. Well, I think it's such a, an important thing to, to, to talk about the investment in oneself in regards to self-development and look at, I've done a lot of it, not perfectly, but I've definitely been curious and I definitely, you know, have done it throughout my adulthood since my 20s. But I definitely did a lot more the last three years because of the pandemic. And I did it really messy. (laughs) And I did it really blindly. And I did it because like what triggered what inside of me that I wanted to like shift. And the opportunity that was presented because now I couldn't show up for 80 hours a week and work. And so I needed to figure out like, how was I going to take forward, you know, what was already a career path that I wanted to cross the line with, Mm -hmm. um, which is interesting because right now our our industry is pretty much completely shut down. I I was thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah, not not having control of your destiny <laughs> can really not not let me take that back. Feeling like you how shall I say this? Well, it's kind of like an unexpected death. Yeah. Most people were not prepared for this, even though they knew that this was possible. Right. Right. And that is like applicable. But going back to coaching, one of the things that I learned that I periodically share throughout my stories and what have you that are many is the importance of having coaches that no professional athlete, professional athletes are surrounded by coaches, professional successful business people are masterminding and surrounded by coaches and other successful people. And I think it's really fascinating how most of the world just doesn't go there. Yeah, yeah. They that, don't that, see the, the relative importance to taking that step and investing in oneself. Yeah, yeah. I, it's funny you bring up that sports analogy because that was something that really, that was kind of a light bulb moment. It, I remember Lewis Howe. Um, who's a big person mm-hmm. and I used to be in football. And he said, well, I had a specific coach for, you know, I don't know, the, whatever tackling or whatever, you know, there's oh, different, yeah. different yeah. coaches for different positions within specialty football. coaches. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's, there's so many specialties just within a team's in culture that right. people lean on and lean into to get better and to stay better and to stay healthy and to stay part of that 53 people or 54 people that's on that active team. Yeah. Takes a lot of continuous motivation, defining oneself, taking action, being committed. Although you're, you're to your point about um, that a lot of the world doesn't go there. The thing that I have loved about um, this coaching journey is that because of COVID, you know, my coach is in Singapore, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, literally several Mm -hmm. times a day, I am messaging with someone in Tasmania, in South Africa, (laughs) and (laughs) it's just, it's crazy. And I, I went to international business school. So I thought I was fairly sort of, you know, cultured, I guess, or, or at least aware of different cultures. But, you know, this year, I really now get what a big deal Chinese New Year is, because I had many, many friends that were who were wishing each other and wishing. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. But, you know, also, to your point, the, the gift, strange thing to say the gift that the pandemic gave was the opportunity for people to expand themselves and it didn't mean you had to launch a business and it didn't mean you had it just meant you had to like be willing to say yes to opening yourself up to what's possible definitely yeah yeah I know for myself I didn't mean to cut you off were you saying something no 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 go ahead okay I know for myself if my face was in a computer or my phone while I was on set taking care of my leading actor or actress, I wasn't doing my job. I just, there was no time for that. There was no time for that. And it doesn't mean that people aren't on their phone on a film set as a, for instance, because they are, but not to the degree of like, you know, 
what it what it would take to really explore unless you've been actively doing that since internet launch and you just happen to be a computer um you know really interested in tech and all that so i know for myself when the pandemic came and most thing most most uh professions were shut down right uh and it was our stay at home kind of like mandates and living here in California there you know there were certainly more strict about things that of course people were up in arms over and what I found myself doing I didn't even know how to zoom matter of fact I didn't even know about zoom I first started like going oh my god women can't get their hair colored <laughs> because their hairdressers are not prepared and most don't have access to their products because either salons are shut down or they're not the one that does the purchasing of the products for the back you know the back part of the salon yada yada and because i am that person who does that for my clients and happen to use a product that was water based of all crazy things that most people knew nothing about I could offer these FaceTime at the time consultations, hear what their needs and wants were, analyze their hair over the camera, custom blend a color, <laughs> put it together with directions and ship it directly to their door for like nothing because it was such a small package. Wow. And then we would create a time to do the face-to-face -face on camera application well <laughs> and it solved a lot of women's problems i mean i you, and you know speaking of limited beliefs and imposter syndrome because of the industry i've been in even though i'm licensed hair and makeup um in the union i'm only known as a makeup artist because you have to make a decision when you get in and i wasn't making a decision based upon one love less than the other no on the contrary it was because of a project that was on that went union at the time and because i was the key makeup i didn't want to leave my position i didn't know anybody in the union it was just what i chose to do yeah. So when it came to the pandemic and my starting to offer, I was so scared to offer for people to call me out and go, who do you think you are? You're not a hairdresser, you're not a what? And I'd be like, you know nothing about me. I, you know, <laughs> I don't need to define who I am to you to make my value of importance. But I feel like the pandemic has definitely brought up a lot of things, limited beliefs, imposter syndrome, stepping into your you know purpose um finding communities that resonate with you know raising each other up um creating opportunities that can leverage you not only emotionally but you know fiscally um i learned through the process of this pandemic and coaches the many stages that are available to us to share our story mm -hmm. and the importance of our stories and how it can inspire others. And we never know who needs to hear what it is that we've lived through that can resonate, relate, and want to hear more. And I certainly 
you know, we've learned this through, I know, our mutual coaching and how our coach that we both mutually know how her story is and how she inspires and how she processes, you know, us to process. Um, but these other business coaches um, who were, you know, I mean, I felt like a fish out of water. I mean, these are like some of the biggest real estate holders in the, in the world. You know, these are the, some of the biggest masterminds in the world or sought out. And I would just be like, who do I think I am? <laughs> and I would imagine when you're going through, and this is like a funny segue, but I would imagine, you know, as you're going through loss and you're trying to find your own navel, your, your belly button to say, who am I? Even if you thought you knew, the chances are there's so much more to as a like a, do the archaeological dig on yeah right yeah definitely definitely yeah there's um and and i i think we have our blinders on so many things even um you know boundaries and and just um noticing how you spend your time you know i a coach had told me you know don't watch the news so much you know i i usually watch one news program, but I used to have NPR on all the time. And I have to admit, it really helps because mm -hmm. all the right. vitriol with the, with the politics really gets to me. So I just, you know, I can't do anything about it. It doesn't serve me. So I, you know, focus on different things and, and I replace that time with meditation or, or something like that. But, um, and, and, you know, also people, people don't realize that, you know, well, they've, you know, we've been friends forever, but, you know, that friend may be pulling you down. Mm -hmm. um, you may need to, to reassess how you approach that friend and, and, you know, um, you know, give some more guidance on, on things that, you know, what you need to support you rather than, um, rather than have them be asking things that put, make you uncomfortable or, or make you feel badly or, or whatever. Join us next week for part two with my conversation with Laura as we continue to go deeper into her why, the things that she's wanting to achieve, her purpose in helping women who have lost their spouses and how they can help get themselves back up on their feet with the tools she has to offer from her own personal experience. We love having you here. We love having you subscribe and rank so we can be a part of something much greater than we already are. We love our community. We love sharing these connections and these conversations and inspiring and enlightening and entertaining because the spirit is young, the soul is wise, the life stories are vast. Join us next week. Much love. Bye for now. No.